Thank God that he's brought you safely. We've got a special normally on first Sunday, communion Sunday, and we will have communion service today. Uh, I normally try to share something that God's given me that will be impacting and uh, touching and life-changing. Today we have a special, my, one of my younger siblings, mighty man of God, Paul O. Ross. So, worked for the University of Colorado, I believe, and then now, if I'm correct, so working with a very large uh, AG church there that has uh, more than one campuses, if I'm right. And he came down for a special occasion. My niece, uh, Gabby, uh, got married. Really proud of her and her husband. They're here today. God bless But I don't want to waste any more time. I'm going to ask my brother Paul. Proud of you. Because he lives in Colorado, you... I don't get to see him a lot, and because he was here, I said, you may be coming for a wedding, but you are not going to leave without sharing the word to our folks. So would you, online, in our fellowship hall, in the service, would you welcome Minister Paul O. the name of the Lord. Can you hear me? Amen. It's an honor to be here. God is truly good. Amen. And whenever I have an opportunity to talk about the goodness of God, I do so. Why? Because he is God all by himself. Amen. But I'm so happy to be here and I want to thank God for the invitation you're such a blessed people. Amen. And uh, first, I want to recognize Pastor Denham, mighty man of God. I love you. My, my dad truly loved you and your family and this beautiful body of believers. I want to recognize my oldest brother, Pastor Andrew and his family as well. And if you look around, you'll see a lot of resemblance to me. My adorable family is here as well. But I don't want to waste any more time. I want to dive right into the Word of God because I believe that every time and every second that we live in is critical time. And too often the enemy is aware of this critical time and because of that awareness, his strategies and tactics has been skillfully deployed through the ages to distract us from our focus on meeting that great commission. Amen? And so what I want to talk to you guys about today, if you would allow me, is Christ ambassadors. You know, I grew up in Guyana and the youth every Sunday afternoon had what they called 
Christ's ambassadors. And if you study the word ambassador, you begin to understand that it really is an accredited representative of an institution or a country. And when that representative speaks for the country or institution, they're doing so with all the authority behind them to declare what is in the interest of that country or that institution. And so as I was praying and asking God to give me a word for your body today, because all of you here are here because God designed it this way. None of us are here by coincidence. You may have thought, you know, I'm going to go and hear what they have to say today. But I'm going to remind you that God's plan are solid and concrete. And the fact that you're here meant that he has a word for you individually and as a body. Amen? And so when we look at the word ambassador, I said, God, I want to be that Christ ambassador that the word of God talks about in its entirety. I want to represent Christ. And so I'm looking and I'm praying and I'm saying, God, uh, guide me in the right way. I don't want any of myself to be in this. I want your word to go for it. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And for the sake of time, I'll start to read. Amen? Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. This was Christ speaking to the multitude specifically targeting the religious leaders of the time. And so when Christ appeared on the scene, his purpose always stayed steadfast, and that is to point humanity to the Father. So why would the scribes and Pharisees be targeted, so to speak, according to Christ himself, where he's saying that unless your righteousness exceeds these religious leaders, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But let's spend some time looking at that. The scribes had an intricate knowledge of the law of Moses. They were known to create and oversee documents in legal affairs, primarily in religious activities. Their influence were so great that not only did they impact the religious community, they impacted the everyday lives of the, the society. The Pharisees similarly had intricate knowledge of the law, but they not only looked and assessed the law as the written documentation, but they also were key figures during that time of really interpreting the law. That's the word I'm looking for. So they knew the written word of Moses, the law, but they were also instrumental in interpreting that. 
And so it's fair to say that the scribes and Pharisees were the religious Supreme Court of that time because what does the Supreme Court do today? Exactly that. It knows the written constitution and the law, but it also serves a key aspect of our lives in that it interprets the law to us, bringing clarity and explanation to that. And so Christ is looking at the multitudes and he's seeing the religious leaders and he's saying, I want your righteousness to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees in the society. Because if it doesn't do that, you would not enter the kingdom of heaven. And it bears understanding the levity and the depth of why Christ is addressing the religious folks in this manner. Not for condemnation, but to bring us to a place of awareness that God is seeking more than our antics. Our do's and don'ts, but is really zeroing in on the heart. You see, in the Old Testament, there were a lot of rituals and legalities and performances and do's and don'ts, which were fine for the time because we had the priests and the high priest and we had the prophets and we had several who spoke for Christ. But Christ appeared on the scene in the New Testament and he disrupted the normal process because he said, I am here as the one who Moses spoke of. The law that was being interpreted, I am that one. And so when you come to the synagogue and when you come into the presence of God, you no longer come with antics and rituals, but you come with a heart that is prepared to see God. A heart that is yielded to his glory and his presence, desiring him in intimacy, brings us to a place where we begin to understand that this thing we call Christianity is more than me coming to church when the, when the doors are open. It is more than me saying, I go to this church or I go to that church or I'm a Christian. The enemy knows who you are and God knows who you are. But it is time for the body of Christ to know that we are true Christ ambassadors. And in order to be Christ ambassadors, we've got to have the spirit of God from within us. Hallelujah. So I want to focus on a passage of scriptures that most of us are familiar with from John chapter 8. It says, beginning at verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teach, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. In the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question, the Bible says, as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and he wrote on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any one of you without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one by one, beginning with the old. 
until none was left and he turned to the woman and says where are your accusers and she responded they're all gone Jesus and he said well I'm not going to condemn you but go and sin no more amen and I thought that was fitting because in that passage of scripture he is telling the multitudes and the religious leaders that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees you wouldn't enter into the kingdom of God and we see him demonstrating this with the woman that was brought before him embodying that very statement well what was embodied in that exchange what do we pull out of that exchange that Christ had with this woman who was caught in adultery the accusers who brought her to him which were the religious leaders I might add it bears witness in that there was something else occurring that I want us to look at today amen because God is doing something and he's doing a powerful work for us the first thing I want us to look at as we examine this passage of scripture is love a powerful demonstration of the love of God first John 4 7 and 8 a song that we sang and memorizes kids in Guyana it says what happened there was that a static shock? 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love is of God and anyone who loves knows God. Amen? And God knows them. But he who loves not does not know God for God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. So the very premise and foundation of being a Christ ambassador must be predicated on number one, love, genuine love in the body of Christ. Second is compassion. And when we look at Ephesians 4:32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgive us. It is important to understand that Christ's forgiveness and compassion to us was from the very beginning. Even in that moment of chastising the religious leaders, Christ was demonstrating his love. And he was demonstrating his compassion. And then we move to the third, which is forgiveness. Christ understood forgiveness Because he was the example of forgiveness as he lay on that cross were what were those ultimate words that he declared forgive them for they know not what they're doing and Christ made that declaration then we look at Stephen in Acts as he was being stoned to death it says he called out Lord Jesus please welcome me this was Acts 7 and 59 he knelt down and shouted Lord blame them do not blame them for what they have done then he died and we have two examples of 
men who made the ultimate sacrifice, Christ Jesus, our Savior, and Stephen, and both made that ultimate declaration, forgive humanity for what they're doing to me, because my purpose and goal is what he's saying is bigger and greater. Number four, promoting and introducing others to Christ in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I've outlined four critical steps that each Christ ambassadors must embody if we are to truly call ourselves Christ ambassadors and it's first predicated on love, compassion, forgiveness and the urgency to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a dying and perverted generation. God led me here this morning because I believe someone here wants to hear this, needs to hear this, must hear this. And God brought me to a place many years ago in my walk with God where I began to realize that just coming on the stage and speaking the word or coming to church and sitting there is not enough. God is looking for those of us that are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And this means a heart relationship. You see, church, most of us in here go to the doctors regularly. And every time we go into a, a doctor setting to meet with a doctor, a primary care physician, or whoever they may be, one of the primary questions that is always asked or the things that's always done is to check your heart. It doesn't matter if you're going in because there's a prick in your finger. They want to get a blood pressure. They want to check your heart. And based on those two assessments, they can really tell your condition. And we have to understand that everything that you're seeing in the natural is mirrored in the spiritual. And so if the heart is important to our natural living and existence, what more to the spirit realm? The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But God is our strength and our source. When we come to God, he washes us. He cleanses us. But we have to stay in that protective place of purifying our lives and allowing the heart to be a heart that yearns for and hungers for the things of God. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see this world is becoming messed up. And as we see more things happening. And we see things that could be discouraging to us. I want to challenge you. That this isn't time 
or these aren't times for you to become discouraged. You should not be discouraged. We have the King of Kings on our side. It says greater is he within me than he that is in the world. And so I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what the enemy brings to me for I am, I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, there is an authority and a power that is released in my environment, wherever I go, there is the presence of God. But you and I have to walk in that. We have to take up that mantle. It's not automatic. It's daily fighting, daily burning on the garment of praise, putting on righteousness, declaring that I am of God and in God. It isn't automatic. We have to be in God and we have to put on that mantle daily. Many years when I started working at the college in Colorado, I met an Indian lady and in talking to her, the accent seemed familiar and we had one of those moments, you're from Guyana? And I said, yeah. And she said, me too, wow. And a great relationship was birthed out of it. They're a wealthy couple living in Colorado, doing extremely well. And they just took me into their arms. And I came to find out that they were devout Hindus. Even as I visit their homes, there's a big altar with the multiple arms. And if you're familiar with that, you know those are satanic and demonic worship. And I kept going to their home and I would sit and I would eat and I would pray and I would talk and I would encourage and I would help. And over 15 years plus of relationship with this couple and their children. And they knew I was a Christian and I knew they were Hindus. But I allowed the love of God to continue to penetrate their lives daily. Every visit. God is good. Well, Paul, we don't believe in this one God. We have multiples. And I said, amen to that. But I have one God. Amen. And I will serve and worship one God. Well, let me take you back further. As I grew up in Guyana, my best friend was Indian. He was also Hindu. And I remember having fights with him in Guyana where I would challenge him. I'll kick over your Hindu God. And he would say, no. And then we wouldn't talk for a couple of weeks. Then all of a sudden we forget about that and we're best friends again. Until religion comes up and I challenge him, my God is bigger than your fake idol and we'll have a fight again and we wouldn't talk for a couple of weeks. And then he came to the U.S. before me and I came a few years later and one day he calls me up and he says, Paul, I'm a Christian now. And I realized that I was making an impact all of those years. Amen. Well, this couple called me up one day a couple of weeks ago in the middle of a snowstorm. My wife was out of the country and I was kind of wondering about should I go, but I decided I'm going to go. They wanted some electrical work done at their home, a new home they bought. And so I told the kids, okay, I'm going over to Nadia and Sue. I grabbed my tool bag with an electrical meter. I drove over to their home and as I'm working, on a three-way circuit switch. Nadia walks down the stairs and she's like this and they're very proud people. And she walks over to me and she stands there and she puts her hands like this and she goes, Paul. Well, she says, Paul. I always loved you, but she says, Paul, you know. <clears throat> she said, Paul, I've been watching you all these years 
And you know, I really want to serve the God you're serving. This was last month. I want to serve the God you're serving. And so I started to read the Bible and you know, I started in Proverbs and I thought, wow, this must be what Paul is reading because he's so younger, but so much smarter. And so I'm not sure how to ask you, but I was a bit timid to ask if you would mind studying Proverbs with us and mentoring us in the word of God. Let your light shine in the world so that others may see the good works of Jesus Christ and glorify not you, but him who sent you. Amen. The word of God says he will draw men unto him, not by you, but by his love and his power and his authority. Amen. He can do it. But we have been deluded. We've been misguided. See, the enemy knows that if he comes to you and says, listen, there's a big tiger out there that's going to devour you and shred you to bits. You're going to become aware and says, I'm not going to go. But if he comes to you masquerading as an angel of light, which the word of God says, you'll fall. And the only way to know the truth is to pursue the truth. The word of God says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I want to challenge us in this time that we're living in to pursue the truth and to make God our altar, make God our source. Don't be distracted by what we're seeing and what we're hearing because there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every demon in hell will declare that you are God. Every person will declare you are God. I don't care where you are, wealthy, poor, Good, short, tall, you will declare that God is God. And I don't want to be forced to my knees in recognizing that he is God. I want to do so with every day and every breath that's within me. Recognizing that God, you are God. I will worship you in beauty and holiness. And see you as high and lifted up. He is a mighty God. Don't be distracted by what we see. But let the love of God work and work within you. I'm sharing these stories with you because they've been profound in my life. And I came to a place several years ago when I realized I cannot live business as usual. I cannot be a Christian with the norms. I cannot be just a religious guy I defy that anymore. So I would walk into a room and I see the gang member, the drug dealer, the one who doesn't look very appealing here, and there is Sister Susie, very pious and religious looking, and Brother Paul here, just seeming very righteous and shining their halo. I would divert and go to the group that needs my attention most. 
You know why? Because Christ died for that. And when the church forgets what our purpose and our objective is, we crucify Christ over and over again. In fact, I didn't say this. The word of God says it. When we fail to walk in the Great Commission, we are crucifying Christ over and over again. And that's why as the body of Christ, I am pleading with you, it is time for us to pick up the mantle of this Great Commission and begin to go into the world with a, a vision that says, I will bring people to the altar. I'm going to love those that are wretched and dirty and filthy. I'm going to bring them and say, listen, you may not see God, but you can see him through me. You may not hear God, but you can hear him through me. And if we aren't being the hands and the feet and the ears and the eyes of God, then who will? I, I lead a men's group on Wednesday night in, in Colorado. And sometimes things get really dicey as I sit back and listen to the discussions and I have to have the Holy Spirit lead and guide me, always. Because without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you can really go off track. And I said, God, I don't want to do anything without your presence. I don't want to do anything anymore without any any guidance or direction from you. And so a few weeks ago, I made it personal and I said, you know, we are having a pretty intense conversation here about things that are happening in the world. And everybody's having an opinion. And I said, I'm going to say something that's going to kind of make people a bit nervous. But at the end of it, you'll understand where I'm going. And the purpose of that is because God is speaking to us. And I said recently in this country we've seen a lot of crazy things occurring. Would you agree? And we've seen things that breaks our heart, angers our heart, and a myriad of emotions in between. But the most recent case was of a young man that was shot and killed killed by a seasoned officer for all indications an exemplary record 25 years on the force there was no indication that she was a quote-unquote bad officer so my final opinion is that she was a good officer and I told those men in that room guys I explained two situations here two families and most of us in this room have parked our hats on one side of the issue or the next. We have put 100% of our stocks on one side of this issue or 100% of our stocks on the other side of the issue. And I said, might I challenge you that if Christ himself were to walk into this room, he would be broken for both families. He would be weeping for both families. And my heart breaks because the body of Christ is forgetting who Christ is. We have become so caught up in the deceptive, snarly, demonic plan of the enemy that we don't realize that he is playing us like fiddles. 
And until we pull the scales back and understand that we are Christ's ambassadors and our purpose and our hopes and our goal supersedes what we see. It goes beyond what we hear and what we feel. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are not moved by a feeling. We aren't moved by an emotion. We are moved and led by the Spirit of God or should, should be. It was profound, but that night there was a reckoning of us all as we began to cry out to God and says, God, create in me as the psalmist David says, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me so that when I look at humanity, I look at it like Christ looked at it. He doesn't look at humanity from one side or the next, but he looks as humanity and understand if I do not intervene, here lies a woman, there lies a man that is on their way to the pits of hell. And hell has no biases. Hell has no reservation. Hell welcomes all. Let us as men and women of God pursue a world that is dying and lost. And let's do so with a fervency that says, I will be the Christ ambassador that you've called me to be. And pursue those around me that may be different, that may be wealthy, poor, short, tall, whatever it is. Let the love of God flow through. I love you guys. And I'm telling you this because I know God loves you too. And I had to be obedient in bringing this message to the body of Christ because we're failing if we don't understand that beneath this churning thing of society is demonic forces that have been released in our congregations, in our churches, in our businesses, in our homes. And their sole purpose is to divide and to conquer. <laughs> It is time for us to understand that we are on the Lord's side. Amen? We are on the Lord's side. And so as I bring this to an end, I want to challenge you. Even as I spoke to today, God was moving through this house. And he's touching hearts. There's some of us that you've been releasing and praying about things in your life and seeking God for answers. And God is saying today that those things were predicated or tied to unforgiveness. Those things were tied to a lack of compassion. Those things were tied to a lack of love. And I challenge you, if you release it today, he says, I'll bring those things into your life. Those things are barrier to where God wants to take us. And he's ready to do it. Are you ready to go with me? I want us to be a people that are championed for the things of God. I want us to pursue God with a hunger and a fervency. One last story as I'm closing. I worked in the Department of Correction. And that's a place that if you aren't built for it, it intimidates you through the gates. And I worked there as one of the tech, the training supervisors for the inmates who would work and do projects with me. I, as I'm running electrical and, and 
security systems through the, the facility. And so I would have inmates working with me who at any time could attack me. They were vetted before being released to work with someone. But that vetting didn't mean anything because there were a history of many officers like myself who were attacked and killed. And so every time I walked in there and I walked, worked with these guys, I walked with the presence of God. And so one day I'm walking through the yard and uh, there was a head of the Serranos, which is a Mexican mafia, a young man in his 20s that was in there. And I'm walking through the yard and he goes, hey, Ross. And I stopped and I said, yep. He goes, come over here. Well, normally the offenders do not address you that way. And when they do, the officers kind of pull them back. You know, you're not talking to me that way. But this moment, I just, I let it go. I, he said, Ross. So I walked over. I said, oh, what's up? He said, hey, man, I got to ask you something. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. He's trying to put my, you know, serious face on. And he says, what is it about you? Well, that question really kind of had me wondering. All of a sudden, you know, the enemy sometimes tries to intimidate you. Makes, gives you thoughts before you even know the truth. And he said, what is it about you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, I see officers walking through this yard all the time. They're walking with their chest stuck out. They're trying to intimidate us. And we can see, we can look at them and we can say, that one is explicit, explicit. That one, I can take them in a heartbeat. And then you walk through the yard and you're not even trying to impress us. You're like walking through the guy sometimes hurl insults at you and you're like, what is it? What, you know, what is it about you? He wanted to know that. And it shocked me because I never in a million years thought that that was occurring. Because the truth is, many times I was a bit, hmm, I'm wondering, you know. I'm going to respond to this when we had first responders. I'm running to a fight. And I'm thinking, Lord, help me. My nerves are on edge. But I show up and I says, but God, you are with me. The Holy Spirit is there. And I told him, I said, Bill, we can't preach in jail. They're, they're, wanting, they're wanting people to be reconciled and they're wanting people to be rehabilitated. But you can't preach. You can't give them the true hope, right, as, as employees. And I said, Bill, I'm a Christian. I said, and since I became a Christian, I no longer walk alone. Every time you see me walking through the yard, I'm not walking by myself. I'm actually walking with a host of angels. You can't see them, but because of that awareness for me, it's, it makes me easy. And he says, yo, man, that's deep. <laughs> He's like, that's deep. I'm like, do you want to know God? Do you want to know Jesus? He's like, no, I'm not, not right now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it. And I said, all right. And I walked off. But I am trusting God that a seed was planted. Amen. I want us to be a light in a dark world. I want us to be an example to the world. We do not need to be like the world. The word of God says that we are in this world, but not of this world, which means we are going to be called home from this world one day. And when I stand before the maker, I want the declaration to be well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would you stand with me?
Amen. God bless you. Let's worship God. I believe he has something in store for you today. And I never like ending a sermon without making that great offer to humanity of rededicating our hearts to God. And I want to do that today, if time permits, to have a rededication of our hearts. I want us to really reassess where we are and who we are as men and women of God. And for those of you who haven't made that step, this is your opportunity. So as I pray, I want you to repeat with me, please. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for bringing me here. God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Forgive me of sin. Give me the strength to live for you, to pursue you, to be hungry for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Pastor Andrew, hallelujah. this morning. Would you thank God for the word this morning? Thank you, Jesus. I think the atmosphere is set that as we stand, this would be a good place to celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you're online with us, you've got your juice and little cup. This is not for your thirst. If you're at the house, this is not for your thirst. This is a symbolic ceremony that celebrates an important part of our commitment and our faith in God if you don't have one if you don't have an emblem in the sanctuary you'd like to get one just put a hand up and someone will bring ushers would you get you've got some in the front keep those hands up if you glory be to God thank you Jesus Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for those of you who need, would like to 
get a CD. We have this message online for you. If you go to the assembly, Florence, and uh, it will also be on YouTube, but we will also make some copies on CD if you would like to get that. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 32 says, For I have received of the Lord that which I've also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat this is my body which was broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this is the cup the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it drink in remembrance of the Lord's death until he comes therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord without repentance or examining himself brings damnation to his own body for he is eating and drinking in an unworthy manner not discerning the Lord's body for this reason many are weak and can even pass away for if we judge ourselves we would not be judged for when we are judged we are chastised by God I want you to hear that when the world judges you Sometimes the thoughts are for death. Sometimes the thoughts are for disfiguration. Sometimes the thoughts are for physical harm. But whenever God chastises you, when God judges us, it is always to bring us back to greater glory. Thank you, Jesus. That we may not be condemned with the world. Would you take a moment with me and empty yourself? As the word came forth this morning, all I could hear internally was, God, make me your ambassador again. Make me your ambassador again. We're tired of talking. We want to be. We want to be. We want to be God. We want to be like you. We want to shine like you. We want to live in this, as a testimony like you. God views personal testimony as intimacy. How do I know that? If you look at Hebrews 11, talks about the practical heroes of the faith. 
the second hero that was mentioned was Enoch. And if you've heard Pastor Ron preach before, he said several times, and I confirm, that at no point does the Bible say that Enoch was a great evangelist, that many people came to God under his watch. And yet, the Bible declares that he had such an impeccable personal testimony. Listen to this. He had such an impeccable test personal testimony that God saw it fit to not allow him to die. God came himself and moved him from physicality to eternity. Not based, and I know it's important for us to have a good outward testimony that people come to God through our lives. But you know what's more important? That your testimony says to God himself, I need you. I long for you. I'm nothing without you. I'm zero without you. Would you say that to God this morning as you and I recommit ourselves? Father, as we go forward to celebrate the work you've done for us, we sanctify ourselves and then we sanctify the emblems that represent your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed on Calvary. Wash us, mind, body, and spirit so that we walk away transformed. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you partake with me? of the emblem that represents his body. And now, the cup that represents the blood that was shed on the cross for us. Drink with me. Worthy is the Lamb. 
Father, we thank you today for your presence in worship. We thank you for an impacting message, an anointed message that you used the man of God to deliver just exactly as you dictated to his spirit. I thank you this morning for your goodness that is continuously passing before us. We invite your presence to go with us today. We invite your presence to walk with us today. We invite your presence to cover us today. To anchor and secure us to your purpose for our lives. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For the thousands that are looking at us online, Father. We speak an anointing that breaks the yoke in their lives. And we know that you are working everything together for the good. In Jesus' name. Cover us. Watch over us. Let your glory shine upon us. Bring us back tomorrow for power up. Bring us back on Wednesday for times of refreshing. And continue to work your work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give God a high praise? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for fellowshipping with us. Thank you for worshiping with us. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Giving is one of our greatest tools in worship. Would you give with us on today in your worship? You can give online at theassemblyflawance.org. Navigate to the top right corner. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button. If you're on a mobile device, tablet, smartphone, click the three horizontal lines in the top right corner of the screen and click the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform. You can also text to give by texting the number 77977 that says SC Assembly Give, and that's all one word. You'll receive step-by-step instructions on how to give via text. Lastly, you can give by mailing in check or money order to The Assembly at 2925 West Palmetto Street, Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Help us to advance the kingdom of God all around the world.